now it's time to turn it up. Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up. We all up in your area like landscape. Definitely bringing you the power slamming pancakes. It's the mandate that you tune in. It's time to move out so we can move in and recognize that this is no illusion. I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion. It all started off in the book of Genesis when Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis. And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him, he touched his hip, but he really could have devoured him. And from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. Episode 381, ladies and gentlemen, we are live and living killer, getting funky like a monkey, if you will. I am excited about tonight. This is Chris Featherstone. As always, we have an action-packed, loaded show tonight. Without further ado, let's get it straight up. We got the PNP Nation loading in the chat room. They got a bunch of questions ready for this person who is being on the show. The featured guest for this week's show is none other than former WWE, WCW, and NWO referee Nick Patrick, how are you tonight, Nick? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing fantastic, man. Great to have you on the show tonight. Well, thanks for having me. Man, it's 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 a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. So, uh what have you what has Nick Patrick been doing these days? Nick Patrick is I still do some shots here and there. I'm just very selective about the ones I do. Uh my oldest son, Nick, is uh, autistic, and I take care of him, and he basically he takes care of me, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, unless I've got somebody that can watch him and take care of the – I got an old dog that helps, too, the service dog. And uh, unless i got somebody to take care of them, then, then I'd, I'd do some shots then if i got somebody that will watch them. But other than that, I'm, I pretty much take care of him, make sure he's got a life outside of uh, sitting and watching the television. I train some kids. I've got uh, – my dad's uh, the assassin. Uh, I don't know if y'all know that or not, but he's still uh, he's still kicking. And out on his property, he's got a big metal building. We got a eighteen uh, foot high spots ring set up in there with all of our old deep south stuff from back in the deep south days. And nice. I still train some kids here and there, and uh, that way I can keep an eye on my parents because they're eighty one years old now. Wow. And uh, and while uh, I'm out there training kids, I can, you know, they're right there in the house on the other side of the property and they can watch my son while I'm uh, training people. So yeah. that's basically what I'm doing. I do a few shots here and there. I don't go too far, you know, cause you know, I've had back, I've had a bunch of surgeries and I'm, I'm just too old and beat up to be doing the road too much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
So this year marks 35 years in the business, right? Uh, yeah, I, I believe so. I started in 1980, so yeah. 39 years. 89, wow. no, wow. yeah, 39, yeah. I graduated high school in 79. I went to college in 80, and I started while I was in college. I started part-time. I, was, uh, I went to college up at Missouri Western. Uh, that was Central States Wrestling back in the day, owned yeah. by old Bob Geigel and, yep, and uh, Harley Race and yeah. Pat O'Connor and and uh, my dad went up there and, was, and booked for a while. And uh, while I was going to college, I'd go to some shots with him every now and then. And uh, I ended up having to ref one night because a bunch of guys didn't show up on the card. There was a big snowstorm, and you know, just half the guys showed up, so they had to redo the card with whoever was there. And the guy that was supposed to ref ended up wrestling, and they stuck me in there at refing. And and I, I, they liked my work, so they said, "Dang kid, you want to come do some TVs for us?" And work a house show once a week, you know, so they'd give me two shots a week while I was going to school. Yeah. So I was, I was like, heck yeah, I'll do that. And, uh, wow. so that's how I got in. Then, uh, we moved back to Georgia, which is where I grew up. And mm-hmm. I, I enrolled in, uh, in college down here and my first semester of the, uh, the lead job, the lead, the head referee for Georgia championship wrestling spot come up and, yeah. and I jumped on it. Yeah. I was in the business ever since. Central States was uh, Missouri area, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's where Harley. Yeah, they were based out of Kansas City. Yep, yep, yep. And then GCW, you you said you landed that job. Um, how? Uh, somebody was had a referee spot and got in trouble, and they let him go. And Ronnie West was the head referee at the time, and he mm-hmm. got into promoting shows and booking and was kind of trying to get out of the ring, and the spot opened up. And I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, and uh, they put me in there. And I wasn't the head referee at first, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, but I was on every show, and I was got, kind of getting groomed for it as soon as I was ready. You know, then Ronnie eventually just went ahead and stepped out. But, you know, he loved being in the ring, and he loved refereeing, so it was kind of hard for him to – to walk away from it until he just was so busy doing other things that he pretty much had to. Yeah, and this was eighty four, right? Eighty three, eighty four. Yeah. yeah, that was the, yeah that was all through the early eighties. Yeah, because eighty four. After that, I went uh, I went down and wrestled in Pensacola. I went down to the Continental Wrestling. I wrestled there for a few months. Mm-hmm. I filled in for uh, Johnny Rich. Johnny Rich was part of a group called the Rat Patrol, okay. and with the Armstrong Boys and. Uh, and Johnny got uh, got hurt. I think he got stabbed somehow. I don't know what all the circumstances was, but he got stabbed and was out for a while. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was I was working independence there. The Crockett's had just bought uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling and from Ole and Barnett, and had taken and had just had taken it over. And uh, they didn't, you know, they had referees, and I had started working at that point in time, and I. And I would really rather work, and then they didn't have a spot for me at the point. So I started. I worked the independent thing around Atlanta for a minute, and then that Continental job opened up. Mm-hmm. I went to there, and uh, I went from there. I went to work for Watts out in Louisiana until I blew my knee out two um, weeks before Christmas in '85. Mid South, right? Yeah, Mid South. Yeah, Mid South. Now, in '84, we're almost 35 years to the day of Black Saturday. Now, were you with GCW during Black Saturday? Oh yeah, I was standing. I, 
I used to be back in the day when we first got there, I would sit down as a ref and when I matches that I wouldn't ref and I would go stand in the control room because I was fascinated by the director calling changing shots and camera shots. And I knew that eventually there would be a spot for somebody that knew what was going on to be the liaison between the booking thing, because back then kayfabe was just so prevalent. They were still, you know, Vince wasn't kayfabe and his crew, but the people down there at Georgia Championship Wrestling was still kayfabe and some of the crew on what was going on. You know, the cameraman was just having to catch shots by the by the seat of their pants. They oh, had no clue what was coming most of the time. Yeah. And uh, you know that all, of course, eventually changed. But uh, it, it was crazy back then, man. <laughs> Now, how was the atmosphere when, uh, when during Black Saturday? Because for those who don't know Black Saturday, there was so you had Georgia Championship Wrestling. They had their slot um, on TBS, and, and Vince uh, took over that slot. And then uh, basically, uh, the the Georgia Championship Wrestling introduced Vince McMahon, and he started talking, promoting WWE stuff. Uh, so that's the reason why. Yeah, it was nobody called, told us what. Black Saturday. Yeah, no, yeah, nobody told us what was going on. Well, that's back then. Georgia Day was doing the Georgia Championship Wrestling on tour. We'd be home mm-hmm. in in Atlanta and running shows out of Atlanta. You know, doing all the all the Georgia towns and you know, the, the local Tennessee and mm-hmm. some couple Alabama. But then every other week we were shooting up and doing Michigan and, and Ohio and, and, and West Virginia and Pennsylvania. And, you know, and it was Georgia Championship Wrestling on tour and. Uh, so we all we had nothing we had no idea what was going on and uh, we all showed back up in town and was down there it was Saturday morning for TV and uh, I walked into the control room and I saw Vince standing there I had no clue who he was this can this can go to show you how wrong you can be I was sitting there and he was standing there with his arms folded watching things that was going on mm-hmm. I knew it was somebody but I knew he didn't have anything to do with our stuff and my first impression I thought to myself that and this sound gonna sound terrible I thought. Who's this goofy-looking dude, you know? <laughs> and I, I didn't say nothing to him, and the next thing I know, that goofy-looking dude had had purchased that TV program, and we were going and doing TV down in Macon. Yeah. I was like, whoa. And he, ever, he offered everybody a job. He said, everybody here, if you want to come work for me, I'll give you a job. And, wow. But he was based out of New York. Yep. And uh, I thought, man, I don't want to move to New York. And I, I'm, and I, they've started me, and they just had started me wrestling there at that time. I was making a transition from being a referee to a wrestler. And I didn't, you know, I didn't want to just take, I felt it was like taking a step back for me because I had no clue what WWE was going to turn into. Mm-hmm. But, you know, everything happens for a reason, and it just really wasn't my time to be up there, you know, yeah. I feel. Because you know, I feel... I feel that WWE was a, a or WCW rather was a, a really good fit for me for for the time that I was there. Yeah, yeah, and you were in WCW from until the close, right? Two thousand one. Yes, I was. That was another thing where they tell, didn't tell us anything until you know the, the night before they came in there and told us at the town. There's lots of rumors that we're selling, and that just wants you people to know that rumors is all that it is. We are not selling your jobs are safe and blah, 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 blah. And we get down there to do TV and there's such Shano and, and Jerry Briscoe and a bunch of other office people <laughs> just taking it over. Wow. It was like, wow, why did they even have that meeting and tell us all that stuff? <laughs> it was a, it was just a blatant bald face lie. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, even, even the weeks leading up to that, was there, 
I know that there was talks of Bischoff potentially buying it because he was talking to some investors and things like that. There was actually some some heavy interest, and then that fell through. Now, yeah, how I mean, how much did the backstage know as a whole that AOL Time Warner just wanted to just basically sever ties with with w, the WCW brand? A man, management kept that under wraps really well mm. because uh, nobody knew. You know, all of the, the people that suffered the worst because guys had, had very few places to go, but the people that suffered the worst was the crew people. Sure, yeah. Because the crew people, you know, that, that was their year-round gig, and they filmed sports entertainment. And the other, other sports entertainment out there, you know, there's lots of it out there, but they've got crews and they've got their set crews of people that they're comfortable using. Yep. And now we had a whole company of people out looking for jobs and there just wasn't that many out there. You know, it's just not that easy to get plugged into, okay, well, I'm not working for WCW or WWE anymore. I'll just go work for, for NBC at the NFL and you know, do that. You know, it's just not that easy. Right. You know, they got, so those people, they just pretty much got flushed down the toilet because they were getting told the same thing that we were getting told. No, it's all rumors. There's no sell, blah, blah, blah. You know, so, you know, they had their stuff scheduled six, eight months down the road. And uh, it all dried up and went away. And then all of a sudden they had nothing scheduled. Yeah. Yeah. So we're getting some uh, some questions uh, from, from the chat. Um, before I address a few of these questions, which most of the – I'm sure the questions will be what – the, the things that I'm curious about. There's two things I'm curious about before I address the questions. One, uh, the idea of you becoming like the Danny Davis of the NWO. Now, who came up with that idea? Who came up with the idea of you going rogue and, and being a part of the NWO? That was uh, all Kevin Sullivan's idea. Okay, Kevin he Sullivan. Up never pretty much almost, oh. Yeah, he came up with pretty much all the stuff that uh, oh, nice. the Nick Patrick character ended up doing for the NWO and and the old count with the shoulder hurting, and, yeah. and you know, pretty much Kevin Sullivan come up with pretty much all that stuff. Oh wow, wow! So what? I mean, did, did Sullivan come up to you, and and what, I mean, what was the discussion that that came? I've actually well, he asked me if I was he asked me if I was interested in uh, turning heel and doing some heel stuff. Huh. I was really bored with what I was doing, and I was yeah. like, most definitely, because I wanted to show him that I could do more than just what I was doing, you know, yeah. and, uh, and I eventually worked my way up to being an agent there, you know, which is what I kind of wanted to do, but you have to show them that you got more than, that you're more than just a guy that's just a referee, you know what yeah. I mean? And that's how they looked at all of us as just referees. And until you prove that you can do more than, so that's what I've set out to do. And I was like, heck yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Cause well, I knew your, I could do it. You know? What's your overall thoughts on the NWO? Cause I've, it's interesting cause I've had, Kevin Teller on my show. If I, for some reason, I didn't know that, but I wish that I knew that before I had Kevin Sullivan on my show before. And I've had Bischoff on my show a couple times, two or three times. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And, and just, just your time in NWO, you know, there's been times I've had conversations with Eric Bischoff about it um, as far as just the NWO getting oversaturated and then the wolf pack and things like that. Yes, it, it just yes. kind of, it just kind of went off the rails as far as just the interest, because it was just so many people that joined the group. Now, where do you think, right? What, what, what point of the NWO do you feel that it start turning the corner and, and it heading South? 
pretty much like when you said, when when all of a sudden everybody, and I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to make it look like it was a global takeover type thing where you had to choose sides. You were either this or you were either that. And I can understand trying to do that, but when you do that, then it kind of makes your it takes away from all the different characters and, sure and you know, everybody all of a sudden becomes this one thing, you know, and also, you know, to me, what interests people, when you watch a two hour or three hour pay-per-view, you don't want to watch three hours of the same thing. You want to, you want to change gears. You want, you want to laugh sometimes. You want to get mad sometimes, you know, you want, you want something that's for the kids. You want, you want, you want to see car crashes. You want to see, you know, you want to see the whole array of things. And, uh, to me, when it, when they made everybody every, either NWO or a babyface, then it took away from their from their characters and their individualism, and they just all became you know kind of vanilla, you know, yep. if you know what I mean, you know, yep. just uh, and uh, eventually it, it lost interest, and it was like you was watching the same thing for two or three hours, you know, every week in week out, you know. To me, I, I would rather watch a show that's got an array of characters, you know, that gives you the whole gambit of, of all the motions and some that make you laugh and some that, 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 that make you mad and some that are like, wow, these guys are technical and, and oh my goodness, I can't believe he just jumped off. You know, you, you need the whole gambit of everything. Yep. And I think it, you know, it took away from that. Agreed. Absolutely. Now, before we get into the questions, I, I got a bunch of questions, but I want to leave it to the chat. Um, uh, there's one other thing that I'm curious about. Now, Sting is my all-time favorite wrestler. And um, yes. the the notorious Starcade 97, of, of course. Uh, there's oh, yes. I get asked about that frequently. <laughs> there's so many conflicting stories. Now, there's... Uh, well, Sting. I'll give you the straight scoop. Now, 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 what did before before you before you give me the scoop? There's, I mean, there's so many things that's that's been generated over the past twenty plus years. Uh, Sting uh, uh -huh. wouldn't Bischoff didn't have the fast count because um, it was supposed to be a fast count, but uh, the fast count didn't happen because he felt that Sting just wasn't uh, there that day. Hogan didn't want the, the fast count. There's so many different stories. Nick Patrick, you are the referee in that match. What is the straight story? The straight scoop is, I can tell you this much. Now, the only part that, they're, that, I'm, that I'm hazy on, because this happened a long time ago, and I'm not trying to sound like I'm some kind of big shot, but I did a pay-per-view every month for 20-something for years, mm -hmm. you know, and every one of them is billed as the biggest, greatest, baddest thing that you have to see, you know, so they kind of, you know, after a while, they kind of blend together, but anyway, we get to the building that day, and Eric, and I don't remember if, that I saw Eric before any of this happened, but I, evidently I had to because somebody gave me the finish, and he said that he did, and, and, he, pro and, and he probably did. I won't dispute that, but I, it's just been so long I don't remember. So his version of what went down was like, you know, boom, 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 this will happen, this will happen, boom. And then he disappeared, nowhere to be found for the whole rest of the day, for the whole rest of the show, because he knew that there was going to be controversy, and he didn't want to have to pick a side. He kind of been, you know, they kind of booked themselves into a corner. So I had each guy, and each guy is a franchise guy. You know, Sting was the franchise guy before Hulk came there, and, you know, and Hulk had just become the franchise guy, and they were both the franchise guy. 
So I had one franchise guy coming up and telling me that he wanted to do me, wanted me to do a really slow count. Yeah. And then I had the other franchise guy coming up to me telling me he wanted to do a really fast count. So, but it is the same finish that Eric technically gave me, and but then left. But it's two different versions of the same finish. <laughs> you know what I mean? That are yeah. drastically different. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, well, okay, which one do I do? So I tried to find him all day long to ask him which one he wanted me to do. And I couldn't find him anywhere. He was unavailable. Wherever he found was the best hiding spot on the planet. Wow. So I just decided. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, what is going on here? What do I do? Nick Patrick, this is going to be your last pay-per-view because <laughs> so you're going to get fired for whatever you do because if one, for, you know. So I said, all right. Well, let's just split the difference, and nobody gets what they want. <laughs> so that's just all I could figure out to do. So I said, "All right, that's what I'll do." So I went up there, I did the match, and back then they had I I did a slower count back then a one, two, three, because that's how we did it in the old school days. It was more, you know, it's more milked out, you know, mm -hmm. and the people would get with it more. And but WWE had their guys counting like they were putting out a fire, man, bam, 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 one, two, three, you know, so. I picked it somewhere right in the middle. It was faster than I normally counted, but it wasn't so fast that it was ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what I did. I figured I'd just split the difference. Nobody get what they want, and if they're going to fire me, they'll fire me. And yeah. luckily, yeah. they didn't. So that's what happened. Yeah, that's it. Was it was such an odd finish because I mean, it you just... know, to me, I think of it like this: if they wanted a finish that people was going to talk about for decades, well, they got it. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> that is very true. As a fan back then, as a Sting fan, I was I was grossly disappointed because I think that it took a lot away from the return. And I know that you had to do oh, what you definitely. had to do. You know what I mean? You it's you know, yeah. just like you can't you can't blame Earl Hebner for the screw job. You know what I mean? Like it's Oh no, no, no. You you no. you had to do what you had to do. But I, as a fan, right. you know, back then I was in high school. I didn't, I didn't know about any of the backstage antics. You know, I've been a journalist for a decade now. I know all about it now. It's a whole different thing. But back then, as just yeah. a straight fan, I knew nothing about the ins and outs of the business. And so as a fan watching it then in December of 1997, I was like, what the heck is going on? You've had this, you've had this feud. Sting didn't say a word for a yeah. year. This very feud in 1997 was—I mean, I would—I would say maybe I'm a little biased, but I would—I think I can make a strong argument of saying the Sting Crow gimmick was probably the the best the the thing the 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 instrumental factor of the reason why WWE did not win at all in the ratings war in 1997, and so. Like, you know, they, they going into 1996, they were, it was still, I think like the summer of 1996 was back and forth. And then uh, most of the end of 1996 and the entire year of 1997, WWE did not win one week of the ratings wars. And the, the anticipation with the sting, he didn't say anything, came down from the rafters, going against the NWO. It was such an anticlimactical finish. And then for Brett to come in yeah. and, 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 and do all that, it was just so it was so marred and, and, and 
you know, just just chaotic and confusing that I think it took away just the yeah. luster of the Sting angle. Oh, it most definitely. Yeah. It most definitely did. They had an opportunity there to, to, to catch him on fire, but then you got to think, too, there, you know, there were personalities involved, but there was bickering yeah. back and forth, and yeah. one didn't want the other one to catch on fire. Because, you know, they might get hotter than me. <laughs> you know, it was, it, was, it was different back then. You know, w, WWE had, had one chief, he ran things, and yep. WCW had a whole bunch of chiefs, and they couldn't have find anybody that wanted to be Indians. Everybody wanted to be chief. Yeah, and uh, you know it was it, so it was made it really difficult to to get an answer sometimes on what to do. Yeah. <laughs> nobody wanted, nobody wanted, everybody wanted to be the chief. But they didn't want to give you a straight answer. They wanted to pass the buck because they didn't even want to get heat. Well, if I make a decision. I might get heat. You know, right, like, right. You want to get heat on it was this. That office. That was that office cluster. You know, I was like, come on, guys. You know, and it, it was frustrating to me because I was raised old school by my dad, and we had we ran our own promotion for a while, and we ran our and we ran our promotion the way the McMahon's were. You know, not in, just psychology wise, they were much much larger scale. We yeah. were just a little small promotion, but when you run your own promotion. You're running your promotion. That's how you make your living. You know that, and so you're trying to. When you get something hot, you are already trying to build things underneath to follow up this because you know eventually what's hot right now is going to start tapering off, and you've yeah. got to have something coming up. You know to build. And WCW had a really bad problem with doing that. They had a problem with developing new characters. And, and uh, you know, they had, they had so many stars that they just let go and Vince would take them and turn them in and, and really turn them into stars because they weren't stars with WCW. Mm-hmm. The WCW didn't know how to turn them into stars. They'd go up Vince and he knew how to turn them into stars. That was one of his strong suits. And that was another reason why we started slipping. Yeah. You know, they took our franchise guy and uh, instead of catching him on fire, they flattened it out with that, you know, with that, personality conflict thing that was going on there and then they they didn't really have anything to follow it up with it was kind of like they were treating wcw like a bar business you know people that are in in the bar business you've got a family bar you 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 treat it differently but if you're in if you're one of those people that invest and you buy bars you try to buy one that's trying to struggle a little bit and you get it you get it catching on fire and when once it's on fire you try to sell it out and make that profit while it's on fire and it seemed to me that that's what they were treating WCW like. And it, it was frustrating to me because I was always raised with trying to treat it more like a family business. Yeah. You know, and that's how the McMahons treated theirs. They treated theirs like a family business. You know, they weren't trying to get theirs hot so they could sell it out, you know, and get rid of it, you know. Yeah. So, you know, it was kind of frustrating to sit and, you know, and watch that. But WCW, don't get me wrong, I don't mean to sit here and blast WCW. It was a great company to work for, having worked for both. You know, uh, you know, it's uh, the business needs options, and you know, so that it's not just dictated by one person. Okay. You know, and uh, and it, uh, WCW was awesome for the boys because there was an actual war, and guys made more money during that time than any other time in the business. Yeah, oh, yeah, as a whole, little <laughs> yeah. hard guys underneath guys. Man, there was guys that didn't even. There was guys making triple digits that didn't even show up to one single show. Yeah, right. and it was it, uh, it was 
crazy, you know, and, and, and it was like they ran crazy with it money wise. It was like, wow, you know, this is a, this is a business. You know, how, how long are they going to let us just run like this and, and bleed money? You know, it, yeah. you know, you can see the writing on the wall sometimes and it's, it's frustrating. And that part to me was frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally, totally understand that. All right, so uh, to respect your time, there's so much more. I, I got to I gotta get you back on the show, man. There's so much more I want to talk about. but Sure, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to address a, ask a few questions to you first and uh, let you go for now, but there's so much more I want to, to talk okay. about. And, yeah. Um, all right, so uh, John is asking, how, does, how do you feel about Brian Alvarez calling you the most incompetent referee in the history of professional wrestling? Well, if I knew who Brian Alvarez was, it might bother me, but <laughs> right now it doesn't. <laughs> well, that answers that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Eli's asking, uh, how do you feel when you got rock bottom by the rock? It was a, it was an honor. Mm-hmm. Now, I, mean, I knew that I was going to take everybody's finish up there, but he was a really good guy. And he took care of me. He didn't hurt me at all. Good, super guy. Nice. Great personality. And then one of the guys that, I, that I'm really glad to see that he's in the position in life that he's in. Because he was a good guy. Yeah. I've, I've heard some, um, some, some really good things about The Rock, too, just as far as being humble, you know, for, uh, yeah. you know, despite the, you know, being the top guy in the WWE, just, just always remaining humble. So, um, and Hollywood, too, for that matter. Yeah, so yeah, true. He's, he's he's the man. He's yeah, and he, he was. You know, can't tell you how he acts now, but he back when I met him when I first went up there, he was a super guy. Mm-hmm. Lexi's asking, how do you feel about the multiple angles you played with and against Earl Hebner? Did you ever wish you could have done more in that role? Oh yeah. As a matter of fact, there's a little town that there's a little promotion in Tennessee that. Uh, Earl and I are about to butt heads again. It looks like he's, uh, it, but it was a lot of fun. You know, anytime you get to, to do something out of the realm of, you know, the normal refereeing, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, the match I had with Chris Jericho a long time ago when I was with WCW was a blast. Yeah. yeah. He, you know, he was, when he had one hand tied behind the back deal, and Teddy Law was his manager, yeah. that was an absolute blast. Yeah. But it, boy, I tell you what, I was older and I hadn't started really training and doing cardio at that time. <laughs> it was shortly after that I started. <laughs> but man, I was blown sky high in that match. I was out to the back and I was sucking wind. Got but it was out. it was a lot of fun. Yeah, oh yeah, it was a lot of fun. Man. Yeah, yeah. You you uh, did some stuff with the uh, the Dudley Boys too, right? Yeah, I did. Well, I was in a tag match. It was me and the Dudleys against The Rock, Chris Jericho, and Mike Chioda on yeah, one match. But right. that was really the only thing I did with the Dudleys. Yeah. It was a little tag match. It was on. I don't know if it was Raw or SmackDown. I think it was on Raw. SmackDown, maybe pretty sure. Was. I think it was SmackDown. Maybe I, I don't remember because I, I was. We were both working all as refs. We were both and working both shows at the time. Gotcha. Had really uh, didn't really make one crew for each deal yet. And that was during the invasion era, and and there's just so there's so many things that just was left 
to be desired with with the with the invasion era. Now, of course, there's so many things that um, there's there, there's people who didn't come during that era that would have made it more interesting, like the Stings, the Goldbergs, uh, the Hogans, um, that would have made the invasion era so much better. But it seemed as if from from again as a fan watching that time in 2001, it seems like they were just trying to revolve the invasion era around mostly mid card stars and it didn't have that yeah. much of a feeling that that much of a kind of equal f- uh, grounding with WWE because it was it was built mostly around mid card stars even to the point of Austin you know and Angle going over you know to to the the alliance and it just, I don't know, yeah. it just seems like there was just some missing links. DDP wasn't, uh, I mean, DDP was, uh, came a little afterwards uh, with the whole Taker thing. Um, but just. Well, a lot of those guys, a lot of those top guys, they were making humongous money with WW, WCW. Right? Yeah, with the set out. And they had their own business and stuff on the side. So it wasn't like they, they needed to go to Vince to survive. True. You know, they had their own things going. And at that time, if you'll notice, everything, you know, there was only a couple of people from WCW that Vince actually used and, and did something with, and he pretty much either made everybody else go to a training facility or jobbed them out. Yeah, you true. know, it was his deal. It was his. It was we won. We won the war, so let's use these guys and let's just teach them a lesson and make them pay homage, and we'll job them out and shuffle them out. We, you know, we said then we'll say we gave them jobs and blah blah blah, and then let them be on their way. Mm. Uh, it was just, you know, and so every one of us that went up there had to pay homage to, every, you know, it, it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm glad it's behind me. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, now, now, you know, going to that as much as you, you'd like as far as just the feel of being in the WWE overall, especially from the, the time of the Alliance. And you said that, you know, people had to pay homage to, to the WWE and, and, it just, and you're right. It just, it does seem like he just kind of hired a bunch of people just to kind of flush them out, you know, just to say that they did yeah. get jobs. And and you're right. There, there yeah, was only exactly what it was. yeah. But there was what Booker T. You know, he he got over. Um, yeah, they tried to use Dallas Page. Yeah, but, uh, to an extent, but that didn't work because no. Dallas was Dallas was hurt at the time and uh, yeah. and. Couldn't go wide open as, as you know. Dallas was an older guy, yep. and even when he was with WCW, every night when he was done, he was using ice bags from head to toe. Yeah. You know, and that's not a bad thing because I do that myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know, it, it's it's hard. It's a young man sport, especially up oh, there yeah. in, in, in WWE. Yep. You know, if you're an older guy, and you're especially if you're an older guy that's had injuries, you, you ain't gonna last. Yeah, that's I think just the way it is. I think DDP was forty five when he started WWE. So yeah, I mean, he was he was an older guy in WCW. Yeah, yeah. So that's the time where people usually end their careers. He was starting his career uh, in in the yeah. WWE. Great yeah. guy. Don't get me wrong. And and I hadn't seen many that had more drive and more ambition than him. But yeah, uh, yeah. But still, an older guy. You know, older guy, and you can get hurt. You know, yep. when you do it every night, you get hurt. Yeah, I've I've had DDP on the show before, and he talked about just 
um, still having that drive, even starting at a young age, still saying that he wanted to be, you know, world champ, and that's something he he achieved. So, I, yeah. I, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah. All right, a few more questions. Um, let's see. Given today's mainstream product, what kind of change would you bring if given the opportunity to be back in WWE or AEW? What kind of change would I bring? Mm-hmm. I would have less talking and more action. I can't stand to see a 10-minute talking segment unless it's somebody that can really rock the crowd to entertain them like Austin used to and like yeah. The Rock can. But they've got few guys that have that kind of character anymore. And I hate to see them take a 10, 15 minutes to set up. It would just blah, 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 talk back and forth. Yeah. I would change that. I would scratch that. And if there was going to be a talking segment where they went blah, 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 back and forth, then there better be a payoff with somebody getting smashed I agree. at the end of that segment. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Totally. It has to be a payoff or else you sit there and just, you know, I'm going to change the channel after a few minutes, you know, because yeah. <laughs> they don't have anybody that is just in the, Yep. Rock is entertaining. You can sit and listen to Rock talk for 15 minutes and be just mesmerized by him. Austin could do the same thing. Several guys they have, Undertaker can keep him for a while too because of his persona and his entrance takes such a long time. But, you know, there's how many other people can, can they give a microphone that can you, you can name that's up there right now that they can give a microphone to and say, all right, go out there and get 10 minutes. Then after that, you're not going to want to change the channel after three or four minutes. You know what I mean? Yes. I I totally agree with that. Very, very good point there. Uh, Let's see. Got a question. Uh, What's the uh, best advice that your uh, father, the assassin, has given you in the best match you've refed? Best advice he gave me when I was breaking into the business was when you're around the locker room and you're a young guy, you keep your mouth shut and your eyes and your ears open. Mm. And you don't ask questions unless you're asking a pertinent question to the business. You know, you, you know, you're not talking, telling stories and war stories and this and that and the other. You're there to learn and you're there to ask. You know, and and and, you, and you're there to show respect. You know, that was to me the uh, some of the best advice. Nice. And, and you learn that way. Yeah. You know, if you're sitting around right, running your mouth talking about doing this and going out and partying and chasing da 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 da, you know. You're not learning, you know, but if you're asking an old timer a question, hey, how do I do this? You know, this didn't feel right. What should I do differently? You know, this, 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 how did this look? Did it look, you know, it felt good, but did it look good? I don't, you know, you know, you've got, you got to totally immerse yourself into the business. Amen. Uh, Eli's asking, um, how do you feel about Chris Jericho uh, in AEW? I hope it's a success, and I think Chris Jericho is uh, is a is a star, and a, and a great personality. And uh, I got all the time in the world for Chris Jericho, and I hope that they take that company, and I hope that they rock it. And if they want to be competition events, then I hope that they hire me and let me help them. <laughs> ah, you heard it first here, ladies and gentlemen. Nick Patrick uh, <laughs> interested in. Uh, aligning with AEW to to compete against WWE, we need that though. We we I mean we haven't really experienced that in almost twenty years. You know, like you you have Impact yeah. Wrestling. You need a legit and, battle. You do, you you do. I mean, you, yeah, it was somebody that he's not controlling the, both ends of the equation. You true. know, all the little companies that's popped up, that's come along, that people really got into. It turned out that he was the guy financing it all along. Yeah, you know. Wow. 
You need somebody that's a legit, that's legit, that's not being financed by McMahon's in any way, that, mm-hmm. that really want to stand up to them and, and, and put out a, a product that's, uh, that's going to compete and, and take over. You know, you don't want to just compete. You want to take over. Now, I know that he was helping finance ECW. Was he financing any other company that you know about? None that I could actually prove, but some that are kind of obvious, because especially with the no-compete clause, you've got different companies that guys would kind of bounce back and forth from one place to the other, yeah. you know. Yeah. They'd be off for a little while, they'd go down here for a little while, and then they'd come back in for a little while. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, as stiff as he is with the no-compete thing, it, uh, uh, I would say that he had a hand in there, mm-hmm. you know, somehow. Yeah. And I agree with you. You know, you, you you have like Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, New Japan. I mean, those are all I, – I, I appreciate those companies for sure. I, I follow their products. But there hasn't been – I mean, Impact Wrestling tried to do it like, you know, like 10 years ago. They tried to uh, compete like through right. the whole Monday head-to-head thing, which I thought was a disaster from, from the very beginning. I think you, you kind of – as much as the the companies try to make themselves a, a competitor, all of them were still legitimate number twos. They were they were they were distant number twos, and now yeah. you finally have a feel that you know uh, that you might have some competition. So, all right, uh, let let me ask. Yeah, I'd you. like to see I'd like to see them get on a major network. That's going to be the thing to be able to compete. You have to be on major network, just like like he is. Not, yeah, well, they uh, not start a, not a smaller one. They start in uh, TNT in the fall, so um, there you they, go. Yeah, they landed a, a good one, so it, it should be pretty interesting. Um, all right, guys, um, just real quick, how do you feel about uh, facing Ted DiBiase uh, back in the day? Facing Ted DiBiase, Ted was awesome. Mm-hmm. Great worker. If you had a chance to get in the ring with him, you it was a learning experience. He was a great guy, super nice guy. Yeah, awesome. And the last question is, uh, what's your memories of the great, uh, the late great Pee Wee Anderson? Randy was a good guy and a good friend of mine. Uh, I, my memory of Randy and this kind of – he was a great guy, and we got along well. And when Randy passed away and I went to his funeral, there was hard, there was some of his local friends that went there. And a lot of I figured that a lot of the guys that he hung out with in the business, I won't, I won't name anybody's name, but there was you know a group of guys that he hung out with a lot, a lot. And I felt like he was brothers with those guys. And uh, not one of them came to his funeral. In wow. fact, I think I, me and maybe one other person was the only WCW people that showed up to that young man, to that man's funeral. Really? And uh, I felt bad. Said, oh, yeah, because his wife had had several rows set because she figured there was going to be a bunch of people. And a lot of the local guys came. And they, you know, well, God bless all of them. Thank God that they came. You know, they, a lot of the local guys came and people that knew him. But uh, the people that you thought would be there, the people that he hung and rode with and, and carried bags and drove and drove their cars so they could drink and go party and he would drive for them, and eh, not one of them showed up. So it gave me a, an insight on, on what kind of people a lot of those folks really were, you know. Wow. But That's uh, really Randy, Randy was a, a super nice guy, a super nice guy, a good family man. That's really unfortunate to hear. Um that for 
in a, you know, for, for all the time, all the things that he's done, and like you said, carried their bags and things like that, and just really helped them out in the business that they can, you know, pay their respects to, you know, to, to come to his funeral. That was, that, yeah, that's pretty, pretty low. That's yeah, that bothered me. I ended up getting a, I ended up getting a, a message from his wife about a year later, and she thanked me for coming and told that's me she good. felt that the, she was glad there was at least one good person from WCW. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was, wow. <laughs> that was kind of stiff, but, but I was about the only one there that showed up from there. At so. least that guy is you. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I hope well, I don't have to go to any more of those for a long, long time. I agree. Yes, amen to that. Nick, it has been a pleasure to uh, have you on the, the show tonight. I, I, I'm just I'm, I'm very, very happy to, to bring you on, and I, I really had a great time. I did too, man. Anytime y'all want to do it, just just hit me up. I'll be happy to do it anytime y'all want to, man. Sounds good. I'll, I'll shoot your text. We'll get some. We'll get some else together. All right, cool. Y'all Thank have a great one. Thank you, you very much. Thanks, Nick. Bye bye. All right, bye bye. Nick Patrick, ladies and gentlemen, that was really that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. That was uh, some good times with with Nick Patrick. There's so much more that I wanted to t- wanted to talk about too. Um. And, and and you know talk to him about but uh you know for the sake to res- to respect his time um i definitely uh wanted to wanted to keep that together so uh but you know um hopefully hopefully we can get uh get something together real soon i'll, I'll send him um well i'll send him some uh, a message and we'll get something together soon thanks pmp nation for uh for being a part of the, the, the chat. Great questions tonight and uh, carry them over uh, to the next time. What's going on, everybody? Ali, I'm doing well. Thank you very much for asking. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, good days. Absolutely, Eli. Yep. And we will talk about that uh, coming up here in a bit. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, the co-host with the most, he is Evan Tech. Proud hard are you tonight, sir? I'm all right, man. Recovering. I got to speak loud because I'm on my landline. My cell was charging. Just got off air. My show had one minute rest and had to come on here for the pain, the slam, CMP. Good to hear from my man, Nicky Pat. Nick Patrick, yeah. the best tour rough in the business. The first referee that made a ski mask fashionable. <laughs> My man, Nikki Pat. Yeah, that's right. Of course. Shout out <laughs> to P.B. Anderson, the, the referee from NWO Revenge, the video game. Uh, recovering from Las Vegas. Was there for five days. Uh, crazy trip. Uh, didn't go as planned, but uh, I came back safe back here in the East Coast. and um, Good to be here on the air if you will. If you will, on the the mothership. <laughs> yeah, on bula, the mothership. Bula. That's right. Yeah, I see me. Uh, man, we got uh, we got some uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, you got some you got some news that uh, you want to uh, cover, um, and we're going to talk about some uh, fight for the fallen. We're going to talk about um, uh, some 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 uh, extreme rules. The rules of extreme, and um, we are going to talk about uh, the the five of the week. This week is going to be uh, we're going to talk about the part two, part two of the um, 
of the uh, um, the tournament. The tournament. One time, uh, one time WWE champions. That's right. That's right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump into the headlines. Here we go. All right, so uh, we are going to talk about uh, Jeff Hardy's uh, or his, um, what's his name? Uh, Nero. Jeff. No, no, no. Uh, Mac, Mike Adamley would say Jeff Harvey. Uh, we're going to talk about Jeff yeah. Harvey's uh, um, very unfortunate stuff, man. Very, very unfortunate uh, news with um, with with Jeff Hardy. He was uh, arrested, unfortunately, for um, yeah, yeah. So he was he was he was passed out in a public stairwell. TMZ reports uh, and reeked of booze before the cops arrest him on Saturday. Uh, for public intoxication. Now the case is closed. He paid a hundred fifty-three dollar ticket for the public intoxication. I don't, um, I don't see anything else coming from this. I don't, I don't think he's going to get in trouble. I, I doubt that he's going to get in trouble with WWE. WWE's issued a statement just really deflect, deflected on him. Um, and I, I mean, but to me, it's it's more of a, it's more of a bigger issue. For me now, I think you know. Uh, of course, we we saw the the really really bad. Uh, uh, what what um what what was that? What was with him and staying? Uh, was it uh, Victory Road? Victory Road. Yeah, yeah. I think it was yeah Victory Road. Was that 2011? I think it was 2011. Yeah, Victory Road 2011. Yeah. Yep. So uh, you know that was of course that's the the, the go to. You know, as far as just the lowest of lows when it comes to the to Jeff Hardy's uh, issues with um, alcohol uh, addiction, but you know, um, I think you know it, it seems like he really did a great job. He he got himself together again, and um, you know, it, it seemed like he was on a really good track as far as just uh, his life is concerned clean and sober and things like that now granted uh you know there was an issue last year too um that was alcohol related and and i I know that there's so many factors i know that you know he had he had his knee injury that you know took him out you know six to nine months um there's so many things that just really could cause jeff hardy to get to that point where he kind of retreats back to his old habits his old bad habits i know being injured can really stress you out i mean of course there's no um there's i mean there's no legitimate reason there's no excuse why you should abuse alcohol but uh, i can definitely understand the factors of why he would be tempted to do so um you know, me, uh, as far as my back is concerned, I've, I've been dealing with a lot of pain with my back despite two surgeries. It's been today was really tough. It caused my headache and my head to hurt. And so I can understand from a from a injury pain standpoint, um, you just being just mentally exhausted about uh, from from enduring the pain so much. But, 
you know, my, of course, you all know the Pancakes of Power Slam show, my, my, uh, my exit route is, is Jesus. And so, I, you know, I, I definitely, uh, every, everybody has, you know, unfortunately their way to cope with things. And I, and I just, I pray that Jeff finds a better way to really Prayer. cope with things, yeah. you know, and, and I think that, and again, you know, people make mistakes and, you know, um, I think it's not, this isn't about saying, ha ha, Jeff Hardy, you know, get yourself together. I told you so type of thing. But at the same time, you know, my, my advice would be for Jeff Hardy to find better ways to cope. And I, you know, ultimately for me, you know, I, I would admonish him to, to, you know, from a spiritual faith-based standpoint, you know, um, just obviously, obviously his coping mechanisms are aren't sufficient with him dealing with the things that he's dealing with. Uh, I've, I've known plenty of people who've abused alcohol because of dealing with so much mental anguish, so many mental struggles, uh, because of physical and emotional issues, dealing with mental issues and their outlet is, you know, alcohol. And, uh, my, my Mm -hmm. prayer is that Jeff will use, this opportunity, you know, he would use this moment in, in in the previous arrest, and of course the Victory Road, 2011, to to really get some help spiritually, and I, and I would, and uh, that's and I, and that's and that's totally in love. But again, this isn't from a standpoint of saying, you know, he's you know, um, he's a he, you're an alcoholic, you know, you need to, you know, it's not from a dogmatic standpoint. It's from really a standpoint of just love and care and just really you know praying that uh he really gets help with with this situation because obviously um there needs to be some changes with the the fact that he is still abusing alcohol that's still a problem and it needs to be you know it needs to be addressed it has, has to be uh you got got to change your coping mechanisms um i've seen it you've seen it chris uh my buddy Mike listening, seeing it backstage. We've seen Russell's use alcohol and, and weed and uppers and downers and, and somers and needles and, and all yep. different forms of uh, escaping oppression, yep. pain, family issues, or just the business. So definitely uh, hope that Jeff and WWE has rehab. So maybe the best thing for Jeff is to go to a rehab yeah. like X-Pac is meant to you, like, like, uh, Scott Hall is with you and others. So yep, and they sponsor um, it too. So they do. Yeah. So hopefully Jeff gets it. Uh, it's, it's not too late. And and the good the one good thing is that Jeff is okay in that he wasn't promoted to be on like a major pay per view or Raw or right. SmackDown. So uh, that that WWE doesn't really have to worry about too much of a PR blow. Yep. As opposed to if it was a WrestleMania or SummerSlam right. or. Raw, you know, whatever. So definitely yeah. pray for him. I agree. Yeah, at least, at least there was some solace in the situation that he wasn't in a major angle or something like this. So this wasn't necessarily a huge PR blow because he is sidelined right now. So that helped WWE in that sense. Um, and by the time Jeff is able to come back, this uh, this will subside. You know, he's out for the rest of the year. So. Um, you know, this will all subside by the time he's able eligible to come back. But, you know, at this point, yeah, Jeff is still relatively young. He's only 
41 years old. So, you know, he's still, I mean, wrestling years, that's old, but in, in, in actual years, that's not. Uh, he's just, you know, from a statistical standpoint, he's just barely passed, you know, half of his life expectancy. So, uh, you know, Lord willing, he has, he has a lot to go statistically. But at the same time, you know, 25 years of, uh, of, of, bumps and and bruises and you know, he probably feels a lot older than he than he is so i don't i don't see a i don't see much left in a wwe career i liked the whole u.s title thing beating jim gender mahal that was a good thing um but at the same time i do think that uh jeff hardy's i think his career is gonna kind of wind down and and that's the that's another issue that once you're away from the thrill of the ring and all of that too, that can kind of get to the point where you're kind of having a lot of idle time. And I I pray that the idle time doesn't really cause him to you know go back to his old habits too. You know what I mean? Because now because now that's that's what's happening now. Because now he has a lot of idle time. He's not on the road competing and things like that. And it's easy to, uh, it's easy to get back into your old habits when you're not replacing them for new ones. So, you know, we're we're, pray, we're praying for him, and and we hope it goes well for him. Finn Balor uh, asks for time off. Um, he wants to take two months off after um, after SummerSlam. So. Uh, as we saw on Raw, Bray Wyatt came back as a fiend, came back as a heel. We'll talk about that a little bit as far as the Raw and SmackDown reviews. But um, it, it seemed, this is what I'm hoping. First of all, I think it's a good idea that um, Finn Balor took some time off. And also the chat is talking about uh, Harley Race. That That is, that's also something um Talk to talk about as far as Harley Race being in the hospital, so definitely prayers for for Harley Race yeah. uh, for a speedy recovery. Um, you know he's uh, how old is Harley? I think he's seventy uh, something. Let me find out. Yeah, Harley's been Harley's been seventy six for a while. Wow, yeah, yeah, because he was recently he recently fell like he had a, he fell real bad and. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that jacked him up real bad, and so yeah, seventy six man. He's uh, he's at the stage where he's very f- fragile, um, you know, physically, and um, you know, falls like that, and, and and just really anything can really be fatal, unfortunately. So definitely praying for for Harley Race. Um, Finn Balor is taking two months off, uh, reportedly. Uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Sheet actually reported this. And I think this is a good move for Finn. I think he just, I think he needs a restart. I think, because I have not, Finn Balor was one of my favorite names um, on the, um, in NXT. And, man, he's just, uh he hasn't really done anything for me. Um, I just why he's on the main roster. I have not had any type of interest with Finn Balor on the main roster, 
And I think, yeah, I definitely think he needs some type of reset. Um, I don't, I don't know what it could be. Perhaps you know, being a part of the club or something like that. You know, that would be, that would cause some interest. Um, I don't know. Some, something has, something has to to give when it comes to to, to Finn Balor. Uh, yeah, yeah I think probably a heel turn will probably work for him. And I, and I'm not that type of guy who usually says, well, this person needs to turn face, and this person, I. I'm I'm old school. I mean, you have to work with what you got. If I, I think the onus should go on the bookers, if they're booking someone and they're doing the best that they can, and they're just kind of booking them into a corner, and to just them being bored. Like you noticed that with AJ Styles, like when he turned heel, it seemed like there's a breath of fresh air. But you can only go with what you've been booked. You know, like I've said this before. That's true. Good booking, you know, good booking teams, they know how to still keep people fresh, even in, you know, being a face and a heel. Like for Austin era, perfect. You know, people crap on Russo so much. And, uh, you know, I've had Russo on the show two or three times. And I can understand a lot of flack that comes, you know, that people give Vince Russo. But I'll say this, and I don't have any qualms with Russo. Um, no, I don't either. You know, I, 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 you know, uh, as many as many times people crap on Russo about various things. You know, I think that the Attitude Era, I, I, and I always, I always say that I like ruthless aggression better from a wrestling standpoint. But just you can't, you can't deny the ruthless aggression era as far as building stars and keeping them like star power like for instance austin he did not turn heel that entire time until 2001 you know he turned baby face you know he, the, the the turn kind of kind of went uh start, the, the seeds were there you know with the match against bret hart you know uh bret it was kind of like a double turn in a sense and from like 97 to 2001, he was the biggest, you know, he, he ended up being growing up there. And in 98, he won the title. So for a solid three years, he was the biggest baby face in the WWE. And he won matches. They built him as a baby face. They had, they had storylines to, to revolve around him uh, uh, being... Uh, the opponent of the adversary of, of Vince McMahon, and I always say this, I always say this, behind every good baby face, there's a good heel. You cannot have a good baby face without a good heel. And Vince McMahon was the best heel to dance with, and he had people accompanying him, like the Takers, the Foley's, the Canes, uh, uh, the Rocks even, Triple H. There are so many people mm-hmm. that was revolved around him being the sole biggest heel that made Austin an even bigger baby face because there was other things to, you know, other odds to de- defy. And I think if you want to be a good booker, if you want to keep us interest interested, you have to get to the point where the David and Goliath story as much as people want a gray area, baby face and heels and all that, to me that's one of the biggest detriments of pro wrestling is because outsiders – pro wrestling has become so niche 
that you know a lot of the ratings are dropping because people don't see wrestling as a David versus Goliath character heavy good versus evil good you know evil gets its come uh, you know gets uh, the upper hand and finally uh, gets uh, the, the comeuppance by the good guys it's not a comic book come to life feel anymore and it's like you have a bunch of people you know flipping and flying and of, of course there's there's there, there's room for that you know, but at the same time, that shouldn't revolve. Your your company shouldn't be revolved around that, and I think that's one of the biggest detriments. But you mentioned comic books. The the one thing about comic books is you have characters and you have people that are larger than life: Batman, Superman, Justice League, The Avengers, Iron Man, Thanos, and the Joker, and, and Apocalypse, and Wolverine, and they were larger than life. Attitude Era was great because you had, it was so character driven and the matches weren't always the best, but the characters were so huge so you didn't care. Yep. Versus the Versus Aggression Era, the wrestling was great. You was building new stars. And like you said right now, I mean, uh, uh, let me say Austin turned heel. When did, Austin never was a face. Austin always did heel stuff. It was, the society flipped and <laughs> they liked what he did. And he was a face. Yep. All Austin did is a heel. He did one thing that made Austin made one thing Austin did. He did only one thing at WrestleMania 17 that he never did that made him a heel, and that's run. Yep. That's the only thing that made Austin become a heel because yep. Austin never ran away. If Austin didn't run, he did the same stuff. I mean, he had the, 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 the guitar and the what and all of that. But Austin essentially was the same. I like some of his matches the best when he was a heel as opposed to when he was Stone Cold. But anyway, Finn, come back as Prince David, be a demon, or come back as the club. You're like a little kid running around with his diapers. It doesn't work. And it's not really Finn's fault. It's WWE. What has he done consistently? He's feeding against Braun. That disappeared. He's feeding against Elias. Had his T-week feeds, and he disappears. Come back smiling for no reason. Then he was the LBGTQPYV OGS. For spokesman two years ago, then that then that disappeared. So this was, you know, it's not really Finn's fault. And then also too, he just needs a reset. That's all. Just give him two months, come back with the club. Everybody said be again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my my hope is that he does. He he does come back with the club. Um, and again, you know. Uh, it, you you can't just keep having flip face and heel flips. You, you just you just I understand if a character needs to be refreshed, but have us be into a character, you know, based on what you're booking. And I think WWE had that opportunity, and it's it kind of it's kind of slipping away with Becky Lynch and Kofi Kingston. Now I'm still real big on Kofi Kingston, but it seems like they're trying to make Kevin Owens the new anti-hero type of thing. I like what I'm seeing with that, but at the same time, it's taking away Kofi's moment, you know. And I, I'm not a big fan of that when it when it comes to that. I mean, perhaps I could have been on, you know, on uh, Raw um, because you don't want to. You don't want to to dilute 
Kofi's moment. And I think you had an opportunity, and you still do, because he was uh, he was defeating names. He was kind of defying the odds, and they could have done that. I don't understand why Kofi couldn't have done that. It could have been it couldn't have been the, uh, the the Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens could have been on Raw. Could have been that 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 angle could have been on Raw because Raw needs a big angle, especially with. Um, Especially with uh, uh, Lesnar winning an Extreme Rules, they need a big, right. you know, a, a big moment. They need a big, a big feud. So I don't like it. Uh, and uh, and again, I think Kofi's, I think Kofi's run is good. I think he's doing a good job, but I think that the WWE just has such a terrible job. They they, they do such a terrible job with keeping the consistency of interest when it comes to these names and it's Kofi's like coming, going further and further down the pole and has nothing to do with what he's doing. Cause he's still, he's still delivering good matches. And I think with Finn, I think the, the demon character, when they build up to the demon, it makes Finn Balor character look, it's just kind of obsolete. You know what I mean? Like we're not going to really, uh, we're not going to really uh, uh, pay attention to you until you become the demon. You know, ooh, until then, you're going to, you know, <laughs> wear the, the, the tidy blues and uh, just come out and just do your pose and just look very generic and bland. And so the question. they need something for him. But we're, we're, we're asking this question about Finn. Looking at the chat, saying what Finn should do, be hell, go to the club. What is Finn Balor? No one can answer. After the music cuts off, what is he? We don't know. No clue. It's like Seth Rollins. What are you? No one knows. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's the thing. It, I love Finn. I've loved him. He was Prince. David. David. But what is he now? He smiled like you might say, smiling ass. He's just... He wears the Fonzie jacket for what? Why did you even start wearing that jacket, Finn? You didn't wear it the first couple of years. Comes over for jacket. It's like they don't explain stuff. He smiles for no reason. Then he was wearing blue. Then he was wearing red. Oh, I'm going to start wearing black. What is going on? Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's like what? I love Finn, but like, what is his character? As a whole, I'm going to write down two sentences to describe Finn. We don't know. Yeah. So, like you said, just have him come back, be a demon. He could be the demon for for the next next year straight. Has Finn disappeared, the demon come back, and he can be like, uh, you know, one of the henchmen for the club or, you know, whatever it is they call it. Not cool. a, I would say not as the demon. This is, this is what I can foreshadow with Finn Balor, and I think this is what would help him. You have him get just pulmonized by Bray Wyatt. At SummerSlam, uh, which would be a rematch from I think a couple of years ago, um, have have you know Bray go over at SummerSlam, not with Finn as the demon though, just regular Finn Balor. Finn takes a couple months off, you know that's October. I would even take longer <laughs> off, uh, and I would come back as regular Finn for Bray, uh, you know to 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 interrupt Bray. I would be regular Finn at Survivor Series, and 
I would have uh, uh, Bray beat him again at Survivor Series. You know, take some more time off, do some some live events. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have Bray on TV. I, mean, I wouldn't have Finn on TV. If if you need to pay him for working, that's fine. Have him be on live events. And what I would do is I would have um, uh, Bray maybe at the Royal Rumble. You know, go against somebody. Another feud. On Raw, you know, you can pick somebody from the hat. You know what I mean? As far as who Bray can, can go against. Maybe Ricochet, you know, maybe that would be, be cool. And what you do is you have Demon Finn kind of um, for, for, for three months, for two and a half months, right, at, right after um, Royal Rumble or maybe at the Royal Rumble, you have like a Bray versus a Ricochet. Bray beat Ricochet, he he celebrates, and then you have kind of like the lights flickering, and you have some teasers throughout, you know, the six weeks, and then, you know, you have within the first, the last two or three weeks, you have the demon actually, you know, uh, um, be on the Titan Tron or something like that and just kind of blur out, and then you have Bray Wyatt call out the demon uh, you know, for WrestleMania, saying, you know, I know that you're playing these games. I know it's you, Bray. I know it's you, Finn. I know it's you. Then you have the Demon versus the Fiend at WrestleMania, and and so you have that, and so you have. I'd imagine you have Finn go over, and because by this point, this is April, so you'll have Bray Wyatt just, you know, they definitely making a, a big name for himself. And I don't even, you know, typically they do the superstar stake up a week after the WrestleMania. So if that's even a thing anymore. <laughs> so what you do is you have, uh, so so basically you have this, you know, the uh, Finn Balor comeback as the demon after all this time away. He's way over. And then boom, right after that. He joins the club on Raw that quick, and that and, and that's how you make a heel a heel. You can't just turn a heel. You can't just make like for instance, if someone like Apollo Cruz or Zack Ryder, you know, or Truth, if they if they turn heel, it won't mean anything because a, a mid to low card person turning heel has no impact. on on anything you have the people who are the biggest baby faces turn heel uh you know like when uh like hogan i mean hogan's the greatest example he was you know for a decade he was the biggest baby face in, in pro wrestling he turned heel it made an impact and you know when when Michaels turned heel, it made an impact. When Brett turned heel with the with the anti America thing, it made an impact because they were top baby faces at the time. And I think with Finn, when, you gotta you gotta work him up to be a top baby face again because right now he's a mid lower to the uh, mid card guy. So if yeah, you turn heel mid-card, now, right. it really wouldn't mean anything. You know, it wouldn't have as much impact as if you actually build him up to become. You know, a, a, a top baby face, have him beat Bray at WrestleMania, the Demon versus the Fiend, and now he's way up there as a baby face, and that's when you have him turn heel 
and join the club mm-hmm. as regular Finn Balor. You you forgot the greatest heel turn in history. When the booty man turned heel and became the disciple, showed up, did that broke stutter for a savage. Boo. <laughs> no, nobody, <laughs> nobody knew who the disciple was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but the, 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 but but the funny thing is, man, Ed Leslie, when he was a disciple, man, he looked like Jack. Yes, like he was. Booty. It was like the best. He, he it was the best he ever looked. You know what I mean? Like he uh, was. Yeah. He had the shades and he had the long beard and the stunner the apocalypse. The stunner that he had was really nice. They broke stunner. Yeah, he did it on Savage. Savage didn't even sell it. He just, like, flipped over. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. If you can't, if you can't say it, Google the Disciple debut. He showed up on Nitro did that broke stunner. It was hilarious. Savage. Yeah. And, and for weeks, and it's before the internet, for weeks, you know, because you didn't have Google and all this stuff, you know, Wiki. We didn't know who the Disciple was. You didn't know. You only knew one time. I think Sting hit him or somebody hit him. His glasses flew off. You're like, wait, that's the booty man. Yep. Brother Booty, Zodiac, Brother the Brunei. Butcher, the man with no name, yeah. British the Barber Beefcake. And, yes, when I was talking to Ed Leslie uh, a few months ago, we were talking and joking. I said, Brother Booty. And he bust out laughing. And he and, and he grabbed my head like he was going to throw me into the above uh, shop window. <laughs> so, good dude. Yeah. Brutus Br- yeah. Br- is a big dude. Yeah, he, he that that's a big guy. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, I bet you said we're saying that. What you saying? It make makes sense. You know, uh, just need time off, recharge, and him and Apollo Cruz and Dolph Ziggler, they can all, you know, go around to to the White Castle Fair and. Go to Lake Minnetonka, or go to the Lake of Reincarnation, and get get renewed again. Or Chris and Churchy said, get get revived again, get yes, a revival. That's right. Get a revival. Get revival. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So we'll see what happens, Finn. That that's my that's my uh, my storyline for him. I think it'll work more than what we see now. So Luke Harper, um, he's they're talking about him. Um, He's returning to to WWE uh, events. There's no word on him actually coming back to the the main show, uh, getting any type of push or you know any type of uh, uh, TV time. But uh, apparently they're working out or worked out a deal um, of him actually competing again. For for those who don't know, which a lot of people should, um, he wanted. You know, he, he wanted to leave, uh, just like a lot of other people. <laughs> he he wanted to leave, and uh, there, there's one of those things that he felt underutilized, and just like a, a lot of other people in WWE, John Moxley, Sean Spears, uh, even Chris Jericho, and he wanted to, you know, go. He wanted to enge- pursue other endeavors, and. So he asked for his release and actually free. Uh, actually froze his contract till 2020, and um, so yeah, just just real, just really shady, <laughs> unfortunately. And so hopefully, uh, I mean, I always found Harper to be just such an amazing, underrated talent. 
And I know that they had him do the intercontinental thing, you know, when he was feuding with Dolph Ziggler. That was kind of a weird spot, you know, they had him for that. Um, it, it was it was weird. But one thing I did like is when he was feuding actually against Bray Wyatt. But they didn't let him get over on Bray Wyatt, you know, on SmackDown when he was a, a babyface. And I don't know. Alonzo says that he'd like to see Harper join with uh, Daniel and Rowan. I, I wouldn't know. Because it's one of those things that it's like... <sighs> I understand that Harper's better as a tag team, seemingly better as a tag team guy or as a stable mate. But at the same time, like, I think that they could really use Harper, um, you know, as, as someone, I don't know, he's got he's to be plugged in a good spot because just a regular rant, just a regular Luke, Luke Luke Harper just coming down and wrestling every week, that would be weird, unfortunately. Uh, but at the same time, you can't just you can't just always. It's a really it's a really bad spot for Harper because he's almost forty years old. Um, the Bludgeon Brothers was a disaster, so you can't just plug him in and just some random you know, gimmick and expect it to work. But he's such a good hand. So it's really a tough spot for Harper as far as WWE's concerned. Now, I think that he would soar in New Japan. I think that he would be fantastic in New Japan if he if he left WWE. But it is a really it is a really weird tight spot as far as what he can do because I don't even see I, I don't see them doing anything with Harper that's worthy, you know, to be that that's worthy of being interesting. It's really it's it's a weird it's a really weird spot for Harper man in WWE. I agree. Um I would keep Harper away from Rowing. I would too. Yep. Because I think it is every time you put Harper with Rowan, what happens? Rowan gets hurt. It was the Bludgeon Brothers, whatever you call them. The Viking Experience's granddaddies. Rowan got hurt. They remember when they tried to refund the Wyatts again. Rowan got hurt. So it's kind of like a jinx. And, and Rowan is good. And Hopper is great. He does great matches. He was Brody Lee in the Indies. You can look him up. But I don't know. Put him um, on Raw. Yeah. Um, it's, hey, put him on two five live. Have him take the title and just be like a bully. And beat every beat everybody up. Do something different. You know Do what? Different with him. If they uh I mean I could see them I would be okay with him being a main eventer in NXT. I I would be totally cool with that. Uh because I think he's he's so good that he needs to have a big spot. Uh, I think if you had him, you know, even go for like the the North American Championship or something like that, you know, I, I'm a huge Velveteen Dream guy, but even if you if you had him like, if it was something like that, you know, maybe because you don't want to stoop him down to like 24/7 championship level, but that would be funny 
if yeah. he became like the twenty four seven champion and uh he he being so dominant that like R Truth and Dre Ma- Maverick finally they kinda like uh align together, you know, to go against Luke Harper and, and try to uh yeah, cool. <laughs> and, and try to get him that way. That would be cool. You know, that 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 would be a fun type of thing, but I don't know, it's just a weird weird spot for them to put uh, where but I, I but like I said, I think I'd be fine with Harper going to NXT and uh being a top guy there. I think he's so he's so good in the ring that you don't want to just leave him on the on the sidelines, but there's not anywhere to put him. There's not any really prominent spot to put him in the WWE, sadly. Uh, like I said, I think that he would, I think that he would, you know, be a, a killer in, in New Japan. But as far as WWE is concerned, I think, I, you know, NXT is where you where you got to go. Uh, I yeah. would say I would say an NXT UK even, but you know that's no. that's more that's, that, that's more from a UK talent. Um, but you know, it's just yeah, I think it, NXT it, is just the way to go with him. NXT, as of lately, is not really a demotion. No, you know, it's, it's not. Like That's a right. And look at, True. Yeah, we've seen people leave the main roster and do so much better, get repackaged in NXT. Yeah. And they Tyler Breeze just recently look did at Tyler that. Breeze. Yeah. Yep. You know, Tyler Breeze is the example. Yep. So Harper definitely could go. Because the inevitable is going to happen, guys. We, you hate to say it, and we don't want to say it. Now, I know this person personally is, you know, Velveteen Dream, good old Patty Cake. Patrick, he's going to the main roster. Yeah, unfortunately. Love it or not, that's when that's when it's going to die. Yeah. And they they need and one thing NXT does well they 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 do well with their revolving door, so they're going to need somebody to take over that title spot when Velveteen gets called up. Yeah. I mean, I I, I know I know no, we don't want it. But you already know, we got to get him. Get Velveteen. You know Vince is going to put him on Raw. You already yeah. know it. And it might even happen when Fox take over. Sadly. And that, that's going to die. Because Velveteen is not built to be on Raw. That's the land of the Giants. But Vince going to want him on there for the marketing. But then again, I'm sorry. The brand, the brand split is dead to shake up. So he can be on both shows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I still don't see WWE doing much with them at all on the main roster. Unfortunately, that's that's now that's going to be the sad part of what they're going to do with him on the main roster. That's going to be something that I really don't care to watch. Uh, unfortunately. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's just do grades for Extreme Rules Raw and SmackDown because we got some flavor of the week to talk about. Um. Let's do and actually I have the uh the bracket to show you all. Um I have the actual live bracket to show y'all, so that's gonna be fun. Um so uh, let's start with extreme rules. what are y'all great extreme rules? Uh um it was better than I thought it was. I mean it was a, it was better than I expected. I think actually I think uh before that, let me I think GHP has an ask Chris question. Let me 
Let me tackle the Ask Chris question from GHP. GHP still working on his car. Uh, <laughs> they they no they have plans for Bray and they want to do something with the YFAM 2.0. So now they'll be sucking up to him to bribe him to come back on a contract. See, that's the thing, man. Um, why would you want to do the Wyatt Family 2.0 if you if if Bray Wyatt was damaged goods for so long? Why would you want to bring him back in any type of Wyatt family uh, affiliation? That, that's something it. that you it, don't want to do. It makes no sense. You spent time and money in months of building Bray as a brand new character. Why in the cream cheese would you put him back with, with the Wyatt family and you just took months of building them away from it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and this, and this matter of fact, we, we, we and, and you know, we broke the news three to four weeks ago on my show, me and Mike. <clears throat> we said Bray wasn't wrestling to SummerSlam. Nobody wanted to believe us. You don't know what you're talking about. Shut up. You know what we're talking about now? People are breaking the news because he showed up on Raw. We, we broke the news a month ago. You know, Chris, we talked about off air. Bray's showing up at SummerSlam when he first wrestled. Uh, I mean, like his debut or not, he's new. He needs no parts of Rowan, no parts of uh, of Luke. I would have him come to the ring, and since he had them creepy kids, like they were like in a car or something, <clears throat> like they hired the kids before, I would hire, hire like little kids or full kids <clears throat> to do little run-ins and distract the wrestlers. You got the puppets, so what about all them kids he had in the venues? How, like, what, what was the kid, the referee kid that everybody thought was a girl but was a boy? He won the tag titles at Manny LeBron. How him, the referee kid. Him, yeah, Jesse, Nicholas. Jack, Lucy, what was him? Nicholas. How him. Yeah. Um, cream cheese. Um, <laughs> got food some cream cheese. Yeah, how Nicholas is, is, is one of the uh, uh, braised droids and, like, 12, oh, 13 old kids. Do you like run-ins and distract? And that would be, that would be really creepy and different. But no why it's. No sister yeah. Abigail, buzzards and the no the, the penguin and was the, the creepy me girl and <clears throat> yeah. Um, GSP, I agree that crazy eyed Harper and NXT. <clears throat> oh, Eli said Harper versus Walter. Oh, that sounds great actually. Well, uh, big up. In NXT UK, <clears throat> I agree that crazy eyed Harper and NXT. But do you bring him back up on the main roster? Yeah, I mean they'll probably do that. He'll probably just he'll just probably job it out to people. I mean he just Is he'll it? be an enhancement, and that's, and that's the unfortunate part because he's so talented. But he'll probably just be an enhancement talent. Um, Isn't Walter like the UK the the, the UK uh, Lars like just another big strong no, guy? Not, like no, not really. Not not from a like dominant standpoint. Walter's actually. Uh, He's he's pretty over. Um, he's not like the the yeah, terror, no, yeah. but he but he's a he's a big dude. I, I watched a lot of his indie stuff too, and he's he's pretty good. Um, PL likes the idea of twenty four seven champ. Um, yeah, Mo says if Harper was twenty four seven, everyone would be scared to try and pin him. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think our truth and. Uh, Drake Maverick would be fun to align with each other after being each other's foes for so long and uh, try to <laughs> try to actually pin Luke Harper. Um, 
Jay Rule Maybe parents well, too is fine, but how did you bring them back up? Um, yeah. uh, JSP thinks the NFT is a demotion. Uh, see the no, thing is, not. see the thing is, I mean, technically, I can see that, but at the same time, it's like if like Luke Harper never had a really a success. I mean, he was Intercontinental Champion for for Hiccup, but that I mean, that's a forgettable reign, and. I can see, I can see what you mean, GSP, as far as be, being a demotion in a sense. But Luke Harper was never really an established singles guy, so if he was put into some random tag team, you know, if he was a part of like the Forgotten Sons or something like that, which I actually don't think that would be a bad idea. If he was like the, if there was some type of, uh, uh, some type of angle of like them being there, there being like a mastermind behind the forgotten sons and things like that. And the mastermind ended up being Harper. That would be kind of cool. Something. I mean, I think there's, there, I think there's ways to make Harper, um, interesting as far as like bringing him back. But I think really at the end of the day, it's like, if you put him on the main roster, it, the main roster is so oversaturated with talent right now. That he's not. They're not even I, using. I don't. I don't see them using him at all. So, I mean, NXT could be a promotion in that sense, as far as him being a, a top talent that they would use. So, I think there's. I think it, it, it can really benefit him. Alonzo uh, asks Chris, imagine a Matt Riddle on the main roster. Do you think Vince would make him wear boots? I can see that happening for sure. That's what they did with Rusev. Uh, Rusev uh, was was jacking, it was getting jacked up when he wasn't wearing boots. I interviewed uh, Tyler Rex a few times, and he was talking about that. Like he, when he when he first started, when he wasn't wearing boots, and man, it really he was <laughs> he he was not a big fan of it um, of not wearing boots. I think it, I think Kevin Von Erich is the only person who can really. Uh, and Jimmy Snuka. Yeah, Kevin those are, Snuka. Those, those are the only two people who can really make it work. It, um, it, it one thing, please, because this is getting played out. This is getting overused. Has it worked? It worked with Sting and, and Taker, Boogie. How many? It, it Harper debuts, whatever. NXT, SmackDown. Please don't cut the lights off and cut it back on. How many times? Have we seen the lights go out, come back on? It's getting overdone. It doesn't work. Anything, I would have, like, a bright light that would, like, blind people, like a bright light that kind of struck your vision and didn't have them show up. Something different, kind of like the light they did for Michael's, the Heaven Entrance of Mania 25 or something like that. But please don't, you know, even have them do a run-in or just some bright light, something different. Because, you know, WWE... AW, anybody on TV, love having people debut, surprise debut. We got to cut the lights out and cut it back on. <laughs> See, I, I'm, I, I'm cool with the lights off if they actually follow through with that. Because I loved it when they did that in ECW. They did that all the time in ECW. And, that, was, <laughs> and that's what made ECW so in. thrilling was because they would yeah. do the lights off and lights mm-hmm. on. Now, the thing is, they don't even really do the lights off that much anymore. Like they'll, like the what 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 makes me upset about WWE is they'll just plug the person coming back. Like the, there's no element of surprise anymore. Like they'll just say, "Hey, so making his return." Yeah. You know, like it just 
It's like, where's the surprise? That's the reason why I loved when Taker came back a few weeks back. But, like, right, there, but it we had character. A, we had absolutely right. no idea. Like, the, no the, idea, the right. lights went off and the lights went on and it was Taker. The place went bananas. And I think that, that element right. of surprise is what we need in WWE. And the problem is we're having so many times where you're, you're, you're trying to, uh, you're trying to gain ratings by saying this person's coming back next week. But at the same time, you're trying to draw ratings and, and, and having people announced. But the problem is you're doing it backwards. If someone missed Taker coming back, they would want to watch the next week to see what happened. They, People, from a psychological standpoint, people are more uh, regretful of what they miss than uh, anticipating what they can have. You know what I mean? And so, like, if someone's, if, if someone's, uh, if there's an announcement of, like, the Undertaker's coming back next week, okay, great. He's came back a bunch of times. You know what I mean? So that's not. Right. I'm not as. Well, I'm not as uh, excited about the Undertaker. And right, I love right, Taker, right. but I'm not as excited about Taker coming back next week uh, uh, compared to if I actually missed Raw, you know, this past week or something like that. And I heard the Undertaker came back. I'm like, now I'm like, oh man, I the one Raw mm-hmm. that I missed, I missed the Undertaker coming back. Oh man, and so now I'm more intrigued to watch the next week because of something that I missed. There's an there, there there's yeah. a there's a, yeah. a, a a hole that needs to be filled. There's a void that needs to be filled. If I'm missing something, that's right. like filling a void, as opposed to having like excess. You know, as opposed to like next week is like excess. I don't need it, as opposed to something yeah. I miss. Mm-hmm. There's there's a void that needs to be filled. Now I'm more anticipating you know next week and what he's gonna do. And I think when yeah. you have those surprise returns. I think, yeah, and that's what happened on Nitro a lot. You know, what I mean, you would have those cliffhangers and things like that. Yeah, that, Goldberg. Yeah, that's what NWO made it so exciting when you would have Sting yeah. come from the rafters, clear out NWO, Tony Savani. We've got to go. We're out of time. You know, what I mean, now I'm like, okay, no, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. You know, like, playing with the copyright. He yeah. used to like do like the little fade trick. He used to have the the the, 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 the your screen used to like blink a couple of times. <laughs> he yeah. the, go and go but go to know, the fade to black, you know, and just fade to black a couple of times. You know, it's fine. It, ECW did it great because it's low budget. It was in the ballroom. It worked. It, it is you know ninety sting taker. Someone said game grow. It goes with the, the character cool Bray, you know. But cutting away stuff, there's anybody to show up. But like you said, taker showing up random, which was great. Yeah, like Make the, it be the one random. time the Rock showed up when he didn't announce him, he helped. Right. The one time he showed him with Eugene. Remember, yep. Eugene between with Chip Waits and the Rock is downloaded. They didn't even promote it, and he showed up and you know Eugene. He, he's like, "Oh, what's your favorite wrestler?" And the Rock thought he was gonna say the Rock. He said Triple H. They said that stuff is like, yep. okay, cool. We like the Royal Reunion. He announced like all these eighty legends showing up, and then. See and, that, and that's the, see, and that's the thing with that, too. Like, I, like knowing that Sid's coming back next week, I'm excited about it, but I would have been more excited if I would have been surprised that Sid was coming back. Like, now I'm just like, 
Oh, okay, Sid's coming back. You're anticipating it. And, and from the Raw reunion list, I'm like, those are names that I see all the time. You know, I mean, there's not, it's not somebody new. You know, Sid came back for, you know, during the whole, I think it was him and uh, Heath Slater thing. Before the jeans. Uh, yeah, and, and that was cool to see. You know, that's why I like the Heath Slater angle so much because people would be, you know, there'd be surprise appearances. And, you know, if you're just, if you're telling me, hey, this person's coming, it just kind of takes the element of surprise away. Like, like if I'm, if I'm surprised, like if I'm taking my wife, you know, somewhere for her birthday and I'm like, hey, we're going to your favorite restaurant next week. It just, it just takes away the element of surprise as opposed to, you know, if I'm like, hey, next week I've got something for you or don't even tell her, you know what I mean? Like, don't tell her at all. It would be even more surprising than if I just took her without having any type of, you know, uh, foreshadowing comments, nothing. I just took her. It would be much more surprising than just saying, hey, next week, get it ready. I'm taking it to your favorite restaurant. Just takes it away. For, I mean, for, for instance, you know, you, you know, Sting debuted. You didn't know. You know Vince said, this is going to be a night you're never going to forget. You know, he showed up. You yeah. surprised him. The Undertaker debuted in Survivor Series. It was the Paul Bearer, you know, the Undertaker. Anybody that showed up, it was just a... Uh, what was it? Triple H. He showed when he returned on that Raw. It was a big pop, and they didn't. I don't. I don't think they promoted that. Um, that was a surprise. So it, like you said, I didn't even know Sid was showing up. Sid's good D, but you know, Sid probably wearing them jeans again and them knee pads. Yeah. But uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, like you said, it, I, you know what I did? You, you got to promote something for the market. The, for the marketing, you. Okay, Austin's going to be there. So, of course, that's the big name. Stone Cold Steve Austin's going to be in a Raw reunion. That's all I would have promoted. In in other legends, no no tweets, no Snapchats, Facebooks, MySpaces, Black right. Plant, nothing. Yeah. Instagrams. And then you tune in and see, oh, who could we see? Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. But you know, they're they going to let everybody know. You know, might see a DX reunion, like anybody cares about that. Hey, we might even see an X Factor reunion. We might see Just Incredible with X Fox. That Uncle Cracker song. We might get that. No, you missed that, Chris. <laughs> sure. X Factor. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, <laughs> GSP says uh, so. Extreme Rules, Raw, SmackDown, and uh, uh, grades. Uh, GSP says B plus D and SmackDown D minus. Yes, SmackDown was a really uh, it was it was a bad show, man. Um, that segment, yeah. town hall. Uh, I'm okay with the town hall, but it's just I mean that's that was different. I, I just want something different, like the Kofi ran uh, the Kofi Randy thing. I'm okay with that because they have backstory with that too that actually happened ten years ago. So th- uh, they have backstory, Who but, the same, but, that? but 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 I, I'm okay with that though because because so, you can so, you can bring that back up and 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 uh, and film. So you, we, you can bring that. You can bring footage back from that. Like there's, there's something that could be used with that yeah. footage. You know, and and plus, I think it's a way to. I think it's a way for Orton to put Kofi over too, because Orton was, you know, Orton was a, a contributor to 
squelching his push 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Because he was yeah, the whole stupid thing. And yeah, so yeah. it's, so I think that, I think, you know, and a lot of people say Randy's a lot different than he was when he used to be. It used to be very short tempered. He's gotten better mm-hmm. at that. And so as a veteran, I think that's, I think you, it's a perfect, I think you put Kofi over. Now here's the thing. Orton needs to draw heat. He does not. He does not need to be this person who just does the RKO. That's going to give you cheers. So Orton needs to to draw as much heat punt. on himself between now and SummerSlam as he possibly Bring can. The punt bag. Bring do, the yeah, punt do, bag. Yeah, do something. I, um, I would not have him do the RKO. Do the punt. Uh, yeah, do the punt. Draw heat. Like the the point is draw right. draw heat because uh, you don't because the thing is. People want him to win the Royal Rumble. I mean, the, the Battle Royal on on uh, on Raw, which I think I just Seth Rollins winning to me, it's just oh, boring. Gosh. Like it's just like uh, and they I, don't, their promo. I get that they they're trying. No at the end. I, I get that they're trying to, to to do the rematch. I get it, but I would have been much more interested in Cesaro versus Lesnar, Lashley versus Lesnar. I've said that a bunch right. of times. Strowman versus Lesnar. I would have been much more interested in that. Um, I get why they did it, but it's just like, eh, I just, uh, I'm just not Rollins, interested. Rollins talking. Then he did the promo, and it got no pop at the end. He tried to say it, <laughs> he say something else, and the music hit. It's like. Yeah. All right. Um, Bernie so Malvin C minus. Um, Brandon B minus C plus. Um, stream rule C minus Raw and Smack uh, Raw C SmackDown B minus for uh, for Mo. Um, there was an expert's question. We got only got a few minutes left, so uh, Kimbo's asking, "What do you think about Aleister Black possibly having an undefeated streak with this character? I think he should be pushed differently than tra- traditional face." Uh, I, I don't I don't have much confidence when it comes to undefeated streaks in WWE, unfortunately. Um, so, all right, ladies and gentlemen, let's do the flavor of the week. Here we go. It is now time for the flavor of the week. All right, so voila, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Here is the the brackets. Here's the bracket. So uh, this is what we did last week. Um, we have the play-ins, and we had. Um, uh, Rey Mysterio, Andre Kane, St. Stasiak, Ivan Koloff, RVD, uh, Jeff Hardy, Superstar, uh, actually Jeff Hardy, Iron Sheik, um, Psycho Sid, those were the people who, who advanced. And so what we're going to do this week is we're going to, um, do the other ones too. Um, hold on real quick, let me... Let me get some music uh, gearing up um, as we as we go. All right, so let's do the first round. Um, all right, so what do you got? Let's start with uh, Andre and Pedro. You got Andre and Pedro. Andre. What do y'all got? 
Where's Andre? Oh, I'm supposed to ask y'all some trivia too. All right, here's one trivia question that y'all do that. Uh, who does CM Punk defeat to win an ECW championship? Who does CM Punk defeat the Or Andre. All right, next we got Kane versus Jinder Mahal. Kane versus Jinder Mahal. Good job, Eli. Alright, Kane versus Jinder Mahal. Alright, I'm seeing Kane. Ooh, Andre Kane. I like that. Uh, I think that was pretty evident too. Dean Ambrose and Ivan Koloff. Dean Ambrose and Ivan Koloff. There you go. Good one. This is split. Wow. I'm seeing a little bit more Ivan, I think. Yeah, a little bit more. Let's see. I think we're Ivan. All right, Ivan. I'll go Ivan. Ultimate Warrior and Sergeant Slaughter. Ultimate Warrior and Sergeant Slaughter. Next, we got Jeff Hardy and Superstar Billy Graham. Jeff Hardy, Superstar, Billy Graham. Okay, we got running out of time here. We gotta go out of time. Jeff Hardy, okay. Iron Sheik and the Miz, Iron Sheik and the Miz. Iron Sheik and the Miz. Eddie Guerrero and Sid. Eddie Guerrero and Sid. So y'all got Eddie Guerrero and Sid. Let's get these two out real quick. Guerrero and Sid. Guerrero and Sid. Guerrero and Sid. Sid, the Millennium Man. I'm seeing some guard. Right, Eddie. And then lastly, uh, Jericho and Diesel. Jericho and Diesel. Jericho and Diesel. Finger poker, Dean. Jericho and Diesel. All right, Team Jericho. Jericho, Jericho. All right, we were good. We were able to get that first round. Good job, PNP Nation. All right, so we got uh, Andre Kane, Ivan Warrior, Hardy, Sheik, Eddie, and Jericho. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of 
Uh, Evan Tech Proud, ladies and gentlemen, that is 381 episodes in the books. Uh, big special thanks to Nick Patrick uh, for being on the show tonight. Lots and lots of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Chris Featherstone. On behalf of Under the Mat Radio, this is Pancakes Power Slams 281. PMP Nation, awesome show tonight, everybody. I really, really appreciate it. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Enjoy your week of wrestling. And always remember, I'll do it for you. Have a good night, everybody. God bless. Good night, guys. Bye-bye.